Good morning. Happy Father's Day. I am so excited for the gift that you are about to receive, dads. Dads, I need you to stand up. We have our students, and they are coming down the aisle or wherever you are, and they are going to give you some goodness called maple bourbon barbecue sauce from the butcher's market. I do not want to be sacrilegious about this, but it is a spiritual experience. <laughs> Please, you will get your sauce, and to quote Ryan Simchenko, not Matt Rice, but to quote Ryan Simchenko, you have this so that you may be sauce and light. <laughs> do not give me credit for that one. I give credit for, yes, Hashtag dad jokes, that's for you, Eric Howard. And so Ryan has joined that uh, party of dad jokes. So we want to give you, I want you to stay standing. I want you to make sure, I want, I, want you to, um, I want you to stay standing with your barbecue sauce. And I want to pray, and I want to pray over you. We love you, we thank you, and are grateful for your influence in your family and in our church family. And so um, what I would love to do right now is I would love to just be able to pray over uh, us dads as we just um, strive to be disciples, making disciples in our homes and in our church and in the places where we live, work, and play. So we love you. Let's pray. God in heaven, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for all of the dads that are standing here right now. Thank you for the privilege that we have to be dads. Thank you for the privilege that you've given us to be a dad, and I just am, am grateful and ask you to bless these men that are sitting here, not with stuff, but with your presence. Lord, let them know that you love them, fill them with your power to be who you've called them to be, and that is a disciple who makes disciples. Help them to do that in their home. Help them to do that um, at our church. Help them to do that in our community, in their workplace. God, use these men for great things. May their influence in our community be transformational to our community. Um, bless them. Watch over them. Take care of them. Lord, I pray that they would recognize and realize that they can be forgiven, they can be empowered, and they can be the man that you have called them to be, not because of their good works, but because of your great work on the cross. Help us never to forget that. Jesus, you are better. You are our great heavenly father, and you are a great model. We look to you for guidance, and we look to you for strength, and we are grateful for all the men that are standing right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's hear it for our dads. So again, thank you for being here today. It's great seeing each and every one of you. Um, for a relationship to be healthy, there are disciplines needed in place for a relationship to be healthy. So if you're thinking about your relationship with your spouse or even a relationship with friends, there are several things that can happen in order for that relationship to be healthy. Um, there's praying together. As a, as a husband and wife, there, there's dating each other. There's going away together. There's going to church together. There's going on mission together. There's recognizing that there are disciples to be made, and you have an opportunity to do that. 
And so when we take a look at what are some of the things that helps to have a healthy relationship, those are just a couple of those things. Now, I, I think that there are several disciplines that the Lord gives us in the scriptures to ensure us to have a healthy relationship through the storms of life. Now, I have something that I want you to see. It's, it's a video. It's going to be on the screen right now. I'm going to go ahead and play this. Can you see it? Okay, so you don't know who they are, but I do. That's my mom and my dad. They came to my daughter's graduation, and we were leaving Firebird's restaurant on Monday afternoon. And what you don't know about them is they're not perfect. Um, I know this. They're my parents. But what I do know is that they experienced the death of their firstborn child who was stillborn. My sister, Rhonda, she's in heaven. One day I'll be able to see her. I, what you don't know is that my mom, six months later, her sister died at 12, 12 years old. They both have had breast cancer. My dad's also had prostate cancer. They have three kids and 11 grandkids. And what I'm trying to share with you right now is when you see them walking and holding hands, what I see is a lot of discipline to get to that place. There are things that they have done to get to them to where they're leaving a restaurant, been married for 55 years, holding hands and walking her to the other side of the door and holding that door for her and letting her get in the car. Those things just don't happen. To have a healthy relationship, be it a marriage, be it a friendship, and most importantly, being a relationship with King Jesus. There are disciplines that the Lord gives us so that we can have a healthy, vibrant, ongoing, passionate relationship with God that's possible through Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, over the last three messages in our sermon series, the Kingdom Come series, Jesus has been addressing giving. He's been addressing prayer. And then this week, he addressed fasting, which I think is quite funny that we just gave you barbecue sauce. And he addresses these disciplines because what had taken place is that there were hypocrites, religious hypocrites, the Pharisees, that were taking these good things and they were turning them into really bad things, not what they were designed to do. They were designed to bring us into an ongoing, vibrant relationship with God the Father, the creator of the universe, who you and I can know personally because of the sacrifice of Jesus. And the Pharisees had hijacked what these disciplines were intended to do and were using them to bring attention to themselves. And Jesus is saying, that's not what they were for. That's not what they are for, and that's not what they, that's not what they were designed to do. They were designed to bring you into the presence of God the Father. Your heart may be transformed. And what was taking place is that the Pharisees and the religious leaders had taken these things, giving and giving alms and, and praying and fasting as we'll look at today. 
and really just turned it upside down to where the focus, the focus was on themselves and not on Jesus. And that's dangerous. It's dangerous to your relationship and also it's dangerous to the health of our relationship with God. And so the reason I showed the video is there, there are disciplines in my parents' life that they have gone through to get to be there at 55 years old as an 82-year-old man and as a 77-year-old woman. And there are disciplines that the Lord gives us to allow us, again, to have a healthy relationship. I would say that probably one of the things that we struggle with the most in the disciplines of the Lord, I would say perhaps one of the greatest struggles would be prayer. Would you say amen to that? I think prayer is a great struggle, but fasting, and in the scripture, prayer and fasting are seen synonymously together a lot. But fasting perhaps would be the most neglected of the disciplines that the Lord introduces to us. I, I can sit there and tell you right now that I, um, I was sitting here and I'm going, how in the world am I going to be able to teach on fasting when that is not that is not a discipline that I regularly engage into in means of, of talk going without food. Now, caveat, I am a type 1 diabetic, okay? Probably wouldn't be good for anybody if I did that, but there, it is a possibility. And I was really convicted over how can fasting be involved in my life? And it is, it's possible, definite. Probably not a 40-day fast, but it is possible. And what I want to know is that I would, we, nobody could get up here and teach if we had all things mastered, right? None of us. We would not have any message. So I, I found great comfort in God's grace for me to stand up here to talk to you about fasting so that we might learn together. Not that I have this thing mastered and I have these experiences with fasting that I really don't. But I'm eager to learn how I could. And I'm hoping that maybe through the power of the Spirit that we'd be able to, to look at that together and how we can apply that. So fasting was a spiritual discipline meant to help us to know who God is. Here's the definition of fasting. Fasting, according to the Bible, means to voluntarily reduce or eliminate your intake of food for a specific time or purpose. Fasting literally means not to eat. It is giving up food to focus on seeking God over some matter. Now, there is a difference between fasting and abstaining. Fasting in the scriptures is clearly talking about food. We can take a break or abstain from other things like social media or we can do those things. Take a break, but that's taking a break or that's abstaining. Fasting in the scriptures is really talking about food. And here's the reason. God wants us to realize, I want you to give up what sustains you so that you will depend on the one who sustains you. I want you to give up on what sustains you so that you will depend on the one who sustains, who, who sustains you. What is the number one drug that everybody in this room has participated in? Oh, now I got your attention. Heads just went up. Like, what is he going to say? It's called comfort eating. 
and we get lonely, we get depressed, we get, we get anxious, and what do we do? We just fuel ourselves with food. And the God of creation is saying, I need you to know that there is a comforter. His name is Jesus, and he has come to sustain you. So I want you to take a break from what you think ultimately sustains you temporarily for the one who will sustain you. And that is Jesus himself. So what are we, what are we going to learn? How are we going? What are we going to learn? Let's take a look first and foremost at our text for this morning. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. And then we have four lessons, I think, that we can learn from fasting. So we'll go through the text together, make some observations, and then we'll, we'll go through. So here's what's going on. You're going to get some background information as we look. First in verse 16, it says this, and when you fast, remember that word was last week, and when you pray, so Jesus is saying, hey, this is a part of a discipline of a believer's life. I'm not trying to convince you to do this. I am recognizing that, hey, this is a part of you experiencing who I am, for knowing me, for having your heart transformed by me. This is something. So when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So what's going on? What's happening? First of all, what they would do, the religious hypocrites, is the first thing they would do was they would cover their faces and look gloomy. So it's basically, um, they would take dirt and rub it on them, their faces. They would wear their oldest clothes for you to look at them and say, oh, they've been fasting. That's what they would do to draw attention to themselves. So Jesus is basically saying, hey, listen, I, don't be like them. If you are the center of your fast, it's not a fast. And he goes, to, he goes on and he says, hey, they're going to receive their reward. Well, ultimately, what is the reward? The applause of men. And Jesus is telling him they're going to receive that. They're, they're going to get that. We get that. When, when the applause of men is what we want, he's saying, well, you're going to get that. And so here's, here's a couple of things. The Pharisees would say, well, we're going to fast on Monday and Thursday, which is highly not coincidental. And I'll share with you why. You see, G Moses ascended and descended after, getting, um, after going up to Mount Sinai. He ascended and descended, on, and, and that was on a Monday and a Thursday. Okay, So the Pharisees would say, well, we're going to fast two days a week, and we're going to fast on Monday and Thursday. Well, let me ask you a question. It's a pretty easy question. I think it's a T-ball question. When, when were the market days in, old, in, in the biblical times? They were Monday and Thursday. Co coincidental, right? So here they would put on their old clothes. Here they would put dirt on their face. They would look gloomy and sullen. And they would do this in front of everybody on these days that just happened to be the market days where there was the biggest crowd. And Jesus, what is he doing? He's rebuking that because 
if we are the center of the fast, it is not fasting. Jesus is the center of the fast. The Godhead is the center of the fast. So we always face the temptation of seeking to impress others with our spirituality. We, we always face the temptation of seeking to impress others with our spirituality. Th this, this happened to me. I, I grew up in Connecticut, and um, I had a youth group crush. And uh, my crush moved away. And I went to her house to see her. And I was there at the house, and I had the guest room, and I wanted to impress her with my spirituality. And so this is what I did, because I have game. I, um, I, 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 knelt beside, <laughs> I knelt beside the bed that I was sleeping in, and I opened the door, and I said my prayers that night. Is that silly? That's ridiculous. I'm glad Dana, no, I'm just kidding. It wasn't, anyway. Um, what, what do we want? We, we, we have a temptation to impress and seem more spiritual than we are, and the only person we are trying to fool is ourselves. And so Jesus has taken these hypocrites, and he's saying, I don't want you to be like this. I don't want you to settle for this. You don't need their applause. It's going to bring you away from me rather to me. And I've created this discipline of fasting so that you will know who I am. Because I want to know who you are. I know everything about you. I want you to depend upon me. I want you to trust me. I want you to follow me. I want you to believe in me. Well, then he comes and he says, here's what I want you to do. In verse 17, this is what he says in verse 17. Verse 17, but when you fast, there's that word again. That's a convicting word that I experienced over the last couple of weeks when you're going through the Lord's Prayer. And when you pray and when you fast, it's the same word. He's not... He is believing that this is something that we are going to do as a disciple of Jesus. And when you fast, here's what I want you. I want you to anoint your head and wash your face. That your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you in secret. So Jesus is clearing up their motivation and making sure that their heart is in the right place. I don't want you to look like you're fasting. I don't want you to draw attention to yourself. I don't want you to look like you just rolled out of bed. It's in essence what he's saying. When it says, I want you to uh, anoint your head and wash your face, it's like, they didn't have deodorant at that time, but they had scent like perfume and oils that would help you to smell good. And it would just take care and, and be, be what you would use to just clean yourself up. 
And so here's what he's saying is, I, I want you to clean yourself up. I don't want you to bring attention to yourself. I want you to take a bath. I want you to wear clean clothes. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to do this in private. Because when you do this in private, it's really going to make sure your motivation is in the right place. I want you to do this in private. What you're doing is doing this in front of everybody so that everybody will know because you're the center of the fast. But what I want you to do is I want Jesus to be the center of your fast. Because if he's the center of your fast, then there's more likely that he is the center of your life. And that's what he's trying to get us to do. And, and this is really not new if we're honest with ourselves. Here's what we're saying. They fasted in front of everybody because they wanted the applause of men. But if we contextualize things today, every single app that is out there today in the social media sphere is all about we are at the center. Every one of those is at the center. And Jesus is sitting here going back, I've given you this discipline of fasting and you've turned it into something that makes you the center. And then we look at some of our apps today and some of these things, and it's the same issue that's going on. And Jesus is still trying to get us to realize you're not the center. I want to be at the center. And I'm giving you this good thing of prayer and fasting so that I will be where I've been. I, I will be the place and the person that I've been created to be in your life. I think 1 Peter 3, 3, when it talks about how we worship, it, it addresses some of this stuff when, when it, it, it let, let me read it to you. It says, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing that you wear. Jesus is also, I mean, Peter is speaking through the power of the Holy Spirit on how we worship and how we adorn ourselves and how ladies adorn themselves. And it's saying, hey, don't draw attention to yourself in these disciplines. So, so what, are, what are four lessons that I, I feel like we can learn um, this morning? Four, four lessons, I think, that we can learn. When it comes to fasting, you're like, oh, I don't really have a lot of experience in this, and I'm not sure what to do. And here's what I want to share with you right now. There is freedom in how we fast. There is no prescribed method. Hey, Jesus did it for 40 days, and you know what? You need to do it for 40 days. There is freedom, and I'm, I'm so grateful that there is freedom in how we fast. Here is what I think we need to understand. The scripture does have lots of examples, but it's not a prescription that this is the way that you do things. As I was studying it, I'm trying to figure out. I learned of a pastor who says every single Thursday, this is what I do. I go and I, start, I, I skip breakfast and lunch on the days that I write my messages and I talk to my wife and I'm like, hey, I'm going to come home and be really hungry. So could we eat at five and not six that day? <laughs> and so as I was studying just the, the freedom that we have in fasting, you might say, hey, I'm not going to go with this meal on this day. You have the freedom to do that. You have the freedom to fast with your dwell group. You have the freedom to fast with your life group. There is a situation in our life group. There's a family that's struggling. We're going to fast for lunch every Wednesday for them. Because there's an individual component and then there's a corporate component. 
just like there is about the discipline of prayer. And they can be practiced in a group together, or they can be practiced in an individual. And I want you to sense and know that there's not like, well, I have to do it this way. The scripture is complete with examples. We can, we can, um, you can go on a 40-day fast, you can go on a week fast, you can go on a day fast, you can go on just a meal. There are so many doors that are open to us about how we can take this discipline, apply it to our lives for the purpose of us seeing and saving our Savior and realizing that He is the sustainer of life. That nothing else is, He is. And that's what He wants us to see. The fast opens the door for us to dedicate ourselves to prayer and the worship of Jesus however we choose to enter into this discipline. Number two. Number two. The reason we fast is that Jesus is better. The reason we fast is Jesus is better. And the greatest adversary for our love for God and our love are of God are not the enemies of God, but they're actually God's gifts to us that we have hijacked and turned them upside down. And what happens, we have these things that we love that are really gifts and they're really good. And it's just, that's exactly what Jesus is teaching here. Hey, I've given you this, this command. I want you to give alms to the needy. I want you to, I, I want you to pray like this and I want you to fast so that we can experience that he's better. But what happens is it's not the enemies of God that really trips us up. It's actually the gifts of God that we put too much priority over. And so our appetite for those things allows us to be hungry for what is the main thing, and that's him. I mean, are video games bad? No. Okay, you're looking at me really, really bad. Like, no, you shouldn't have said that. The parents are looking at me like, oh. I mean, video games are not bad. It's entertainment. It's fun. I don't play. I mean, once it got past Space Invaders and Frogger, I'm, I'm done. Like one button and I'm done. I can't do all the A, B, C, D and all that stuff. I can't do it. Like I'm passing when I should be kicking. Um, it's bad. Really bad. But, but are, 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 are video games bad? Are, are watching movies and shows bad? They're not bad. But if you have an IV so you don't get out of bed... So that you can eat by just sitting there and binging, that, that's pretty bad. I'd say it's bad. Golf and hobbies are not bad things. Current events, watching those things, they're not bad things. But the greatest enemy of our love for God are not the enemy, so to speak, but they're gifts that God gives that because of sin in our hearts, we turn upside down. And fasting is a way for us to recenter, because what does fasting do? Fasting sets us aside from giving up what we that temporarily sustains us to allow us to pray and focus on the one who sustains us. And that's what that's what he wants. That's that's what he wants. So simply put, fasting helps our souls 
to the truth that Jesus is better and there is no one like him. There is, there's no one like him. All right, what's the next thing? The next one that I have for you. Um, the result of fasting is being passionately committed to hallow his name, his kingdom, and his will. Okay, when you study and you're preparing for a message, I gotta tell you, I got really excited about this. Because I didn't see the connection, but studying I just, I got real excited about a connection here to the Lord's Prayer. So when we fast, what does fasting do? Fasting is opening up our eyes so that we might be able to pray, okay? Now listen, fasting and prayer cannot be, they're, they're together. You can pray without fasting, but you cannot fast without praying. Did you get that? You can pray without fasting, but you cannot fast without praying. The fasting is taking a break, like we've said, from what we think sustains us to dedicate our time to the one who sustains us. It is taking a break from the food. Then the result of that, what takes place? What takes place is going back to what we learned last week in the Lord's Prayer or what specifically what we renamed the Disciples' Prayer. Um, and I'm going to read that to you right now. So what is the result of fasting is that we pray and we pray like we are commanded. I'm going to read it to you. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so here's what it is. He goes in and he talks about prayer. I want you to pray like this. Oh, and I also want you to fast. Because fasting gets us to pray like we are commanded to pray. And when we pray like we're commanded to pray, we are passionately committed to hallowing the name of Jesus. We are passionately committed to his kingdom and passionately committed to his will. And that's the purpose of the discipline. And that's the result of this discipline. When we engage with the Lord and bring this situation to him, regardless of what's going on, whether it's a sickness whether it's a sin issue, whether it's a, a debilitating sin issue, whether it's a move or a transfer or relationship issue, what we come away with is in the midst of this situation, we come away with, God, I'm going to hallow your name because that's why I'm here, because you're better. God, it is your kingdom, it's not my kingdom, and it is your will be done, not my will be done. Jesus, when he prayed, he said, let this cup pass from me, however, not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus modeled the way that he was teaching us how to pray, and fasting opens up the door for us to pray like we are commanded to pray, to hallow his name, esteem him, revere him, for his kingdom, not our kingdom, and for his will, not our will. And the last thing, here's the last one that I have for you. Fasting is temporary. Fasting is temporary. And my heart, my prayer for this last point is that you would be so encouraged. I was at a graduation party last night, sitting there shooting the breeze with some guys. John Abel was right here to my left. And he says, you know what, guys? I love food. <laughs> 
I love food. And I just started laughing because I'm preaching on, I mean, in like 12 hours, I'm preaching on fasting. And John's just talking about how I love food. I thought it was just, I thought it was really funny. He said, I just love food. I love all food. And um, I just thought that fasting is a time where we wait for the king to come. And that our hearts would be wrapped around him. But there's a day, there's a day, when there's no need to fast. Because we're sitting at a table, and we're face to face with the king. And we're not fasting, but we're feasting. And we're feasting on his presence in our life. And we're eating, and we're all sitting around this giant table. I don't know what it looks like. I have, we have a picture of Revelation. But we're sitting around this table, and we're feasting together. We're not fasting because we are in the presence of the one who made us, sustained us, and is our sustainer because Jesus is better. But in the meantime, but in the meantime, Jesus is saying, I want you to have a healthy relationship with me, your father. Jesus is saying, I want you to have a, relation, a healthy relationship with God the Father, and that's possible through me. And so I want you to pray like this, and I want you to fast so that you will recognize he's better. You'll recognize, you'll hallow his name, you'll look forward to his kingdom, and you will, you will seek his will, over, his will over your will. And you'll just wait for that day when we're not going to fast, but we're going to feast. And I've told you before, there are going to be a lot of hot Krispy Kreme donuts there. And the diabetics will be in line with no insulin pumps and we get first dibs, okay? <laughs> it's temporary. It's temporary. So in the meantime, what does it look like? So on the screen you have application and there's nothing there. I don't, that's the word, application. Because what we don't want to do here is to say, hey, we're a family of disciples making disciples. We don't want to get up here and talk to you about whatever we're talking about. And today, of course, is the discipline of fasting because how it creates our dependency on Jesus and allows us to be ushered into his presence and be reminded of it, keeping our sin at bay. How are you going to apply this message over the next month in your life? And I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit of the living God will do that. That's what I prayed for. How are you going to apply fasting as a discipline in your life? What gift of God is taking away from your appetite of God? What gift of God is taking away your appetite of God? I would encourage you with these two things. Number one, I'd encourage you to make a plan as you fast. And number two, I would make sure that you make sure that prayer is a key part of fasting. It's not just not eating. It is not eating and praying the way that we were instructed to pray last week. I love you guys and I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit of the living God will take this discipline and apply it to our lives as he see fit, sees fit. Because we've got grace and we've got freedom on how we apply it. The ultimate goal 
is that you and I would allow us to take a break from what we what temporarily sustains us so that we would enjoy what truly the one who truly sustains us love you let's pray lord jesus i love you and i thank you for this day and i thank you for the privilege of being able to open up the word and being able to teach you lord i've learned a lot about this discipline and lord i'm praying that your holy spirit would apply it to our lives in ways that only you see fit lord we want to experience you we want to know you we want to revere you we want to hold you up so as we as we look at these disciplines uh, so that we might have a healthy relationship, Lord, help us to learn about fasting and how we can encounter you by taking a break from food. We, we love you, God. We thank you for these disciplines that you've given us. We know that they are designed to usher us into your presence. Be with us as sinners. Help us not to do these things with any selfish motivation, ambition, but Lord, help us to do these things for the purpose of encountering you, to savoring you. Lord, when we minimize our sin, we minimize you as our savior and help us not to do that. Use fasting as a discipline us to encounter you for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen.